Well, this morning, we begin a series in putting on the armor. We talked about this last week, and we're going to do it. God has so much in His Word, we're going to be looking at it. Let me just share something with you. If I did not preach on the armor, let me tell you some things that would happen. I'd be ignoring much of the Bible. If if I did not preach on the armor and putting on the armor, I would send believers onto the battleground without any weapons. If I did not preach on putting on the armor, some people that I have the pleasure and the joy of pastoring would fall in battle. If I did not preach, if I failed to preach the armor, I would be likely ignoring it for my own life. I need it as well. And if I failed to talk about putting on the armor, I missed the opportunity to teach about God's power. So it's by compulsion that I proclaim his word this morning. We're going to talk about the armor that is needed as we go into battle. And the battle that we're talking about has an enemy that we talked about last week. Satan is the enemy. He is the one. He's armed with many schemes, many wiles, Many strategies, the Bible calls them. But he is our enemy. His name tells us a lot about him. He is a ruler. He's a prince. He is the God of this world, we're told. On your outline, write these down as we look at the enemy's strategies. First, he deceives the hearts. He deceives our hearts. That's what he likes to do. Secondly, that second bullet, he divides our mind. He divides our mind. And then third, he destroys our life. He will destroy our lives. And fourth, the fourth bullet, he degrades our testimony. First, we talked about he deceives us because he is the great deceiver. That's how he operates. Secondly, he wants to divide. That's one of his strategies, to divide and conquer. He divided the angels, a third of them, from two-thirds. He divided the first family. He tried to divide the first New Testament church. That's his strategy. He tries to divide. But his ultimate goal with all of these is destruction, total destruction. His desire is to send as many as he can to take them with him to a Christless hell for all of eternity. That's who he is. For those of us who have received Christ and we know him as our Lord and Savior, then he cannot get us out of the grasp of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you what he wants to do in our life. He wants to degrade our testimony so that there's no power left in it, no presence of God in it. That's what he 
desires to do. I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you will turn with me this morning to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And we're going to be looking at, you really, you have only two on your outline, but we're going to look at more than two. We're going to start back on verse 10 and go through part of verse 14. Let me ask you, if you will, to stand, follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read aloud what the Bible says. Beginning in verse 10, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil or the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh, blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. And then the first piece of armor that we put on, he says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Would you pray with me? Father, oh, I pray this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit would operate in this place without any hindrance. I pray, Father, that the powers of darkness would be dispelled from this place. I pray, Father, that in all of this, that I will depend on the authority of your shed blood as I proclaim the enemy. I pray that as I proclaim the enemy, my words would be clear, the message would be understood, and we would see the enemy for who he really is that we would know our only help is in the Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There's six pieces of armor that we're going to be putting on over the next few weeks. Five of these are defensive. One is offensive. We will talk about each of these pieces. But as we read a moment ago, no one piece is to be left off. We do not have a choice to say, I'm not going to put on this one or that one. The Bible says that we're to put on the whole or the full armor. Every piece is to be put on us. We cannot go without one piece. We would be unguarded in that particular place. The Bible tells us to clothe ourselves in this armor for defense, like you would put on a piece of clothing, and I would put on a piece of clothing, to protect us against every scheme and every wild of the enemy. There's some things that are vital to know there on your outline. I want you to write these in. First of all, the armor is nothing but Christ himself. That's the armor. We're to put on Christ, is what God's Word tells us. 
In fact, Romans 13, 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In essence, he's telling us that you would put on the Lord Jesus Christ just as you put on your clothes this morning. He tells us where to do that. There's a second thing that's worth noting. Write this on your outline. The responsibility of putting on each piece of armor belongs to us and us alone, no one else. The Bible doesn't say that God will put this piece of armor on you or on me. I'm to put it on. I'm to put it on myself. There's a reason for that. The reason is that we never know when the enemy's going to show up. And we're to be prepared and we're to put that on. The Bible says, take up. The responsibility for putting it on the armor is on us. And it says, take up. That is as if the armor was laid at your feet and you get up and you put it on. The reason that we put it on for ourselves is that most of our warfare with the enemy does not come in a crowd. We cannot hide behind some brother or sister who's doing battle against the enemy. Most of it is personal in our life. We're to have that armor on, and if we don't have that armor, we have no defense against the enemy, Satan. He will destroy us if he can. So we cannot wait for God to put it on. You see, the battle is personal and it's private most of the time. Let me share something else with you also. It's to be put on. It's our personal duty to put it on. It's our primary duty. You're going to hear this for the next six weeks. It is our paramount duty. And it is our perpetual duty. You put it on every day. I have a pastor friend that you know who says that every morning before he gets out of bed, he mentally goes through putting on each piece of armor. I'm talking about Dr. Todd Gray. Every piece of armor, we're to put it on. There's another thing that it's vital for us to note. Write this in. We wear the armor to stand when the evil day comes. Ephesians 6 verse 13 says that you may be able to withstand or to resist on the evil day. We're to stand and resist. And we can't do that if we don't have the army. armor. We're to put it on. When is the evil day? some it may be right now it could be happening while you're sitting in a church it may be happening as soon as you try to get out of this parking lot or you try to go order a meal at some place in a restaurant today it could happen this afternoon the evil day is this it's simply when righteousness intersects with the evil of Satan and we're caught in the middle of all of this and God says we're to have it on so we'll still be standing. I like that. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14 says that you will be able to stand firm. Stand firm so you won't be knocked flat when it happens. If you're a basketball fan, you're a Kentuckian. Let me say something. You know one of our nemesis is North Carolina. 
And you also know that North Carolina is called the Tar Heels. Do you have any idea what that means? That was a unit in the Civil War from Carolina, North Carolina, that would not budge when the enemy came after them. It was said of them that it looked like they had tar on their feet and heels and they could not move. Now that's what God's saying. You get the armor that is available to you, you put it on personally so that you can stand and when the battle is over with, you won't be flat, you'll be standing. What are you saying? The real thing. The real thing. The first piece of armor that we put on is the belt. It's interesting to me and to people besides me who know a lot more than me, it's interesting that Paul in a maritime prison, let me get this around like I want it, Paul in a maritime prison chained to a guard would mention the belt as a piece of armor. And the reason is it wasn't considered a piece of armor. It was considered just what we consider belts today. Something that we wear to hold up our bridges or whatever reason we wear them. In fact, all Romans, whether they were soldiers or not, had a belt. And one of the purposes of the belt was when the individual, whether he was a soldier or whether he was a civilian, when he wanted to go from point A to point B in a hurry, he would spread his legs, reach through his legs, get the tail of his toga, and bring it up and stuff it into the belt so that now his legs were left so that he could run and go where he wants to go. They just considered it something they needed and had to have. Most of the belts were six-inch leather belts. Let me tell you some things about those belts. In fact, God's Word tells us and you've heard this, gird up your loins, or the loins of your mind. You've heard that phrase. Get your legs exposed, your loins exposed, so that you can run, so that you can go where you need to go, and you can go in a hurry. That's what the Roman soldier did, or the Roman citizen. But if they were a soldier, they would also wear a belt, put on the belt. Paul said, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. We want to be free to run. And when the Roman soldier would put on the belt, he would put it across or around his waist like I did this one, and there would be a lot of things that would go on it. It was a foundational Peace, and that's the reason we put it on. We put it on first. It had a place for a weapon, just like this belt does. 
It also, if they were a swordsman, there was a sheath attached to that belt so that they could put the sheath in it. If it was one who fought with the bow, sometimes the belt would go around the shoulder and down across the back and the side, and there would be the, the sheath there or the arrows there in the holder as the man went into battle. Let me tell you something else about that. For the Roman soldier on this belt, whether it ran across his neck or whether it was around his waist, he would put all of his medals on that belt. So if you were going hand-to-hand -hand combat against a man and you looked on that belt, you, if he had a lot of medals, you would know he was a seasoned warrior and he was not going to go down easy. So it was a, used there as not only the foundation for all that they were going to carry, but it was that first piece that they were to put on and all the things would be attached to it and he would know. In fact, it's called the girdle of truth. And it's the very foundation of what we're going to be talking about. It is the first one that has to be put on. You have to put it on. I have to put it on. God does not put it on for us. We learned last week that Satan's primary way of attack, and I remind you of this, is for every believer, listen to John 8, 44, speaking of Satan, has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his own, of his own character. And he is a liar and the father of lies. One translation that I used last year, week says, lying is his native tongue. That's what he does. So he comes with us with lies, and we don't know how to handle those if we don't have the belt of truth. We do not know that at all. So we're to have that power against his deception, which is God's word. You remember Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only with that power of his word can we have victory with the enemy as he comes after, as he comes after us. Unless I have the shield of truth, I'll know defeat. Unless I have the shield of truth, I'm going to know discontentment and I'm going to know discouragement and depression. I can change my spouse, I can change my job, I can change my geography, but it'll not change any of those that Satan comes after me with. The problem is that many of us have our truth, not from God's word, but our truth from someone's feelings or our truth from society's consensus of opinion, or our truth may come from what's politically correct, or what I feel like. But that truth will not sustain you in hand-to-hand -hand combat with the enemy, Satan. The person of Jesus Christ must know his mind and his instructions as found in his book in order for us to put on this belt of truth. How do we arm ourselves with the belt of truth? Number one, in order to be successful in battle against the enemy, 
we must know the truth about God. The truth about God, write that in, would you? We've got to know the truth about God. The truth about God from his word as he has proclaimed it to us, the Bible. We need to know about God. We need to know the truth that is in his book, the Bible. Jesus himself, when Satan came to him, you will remember back in Matthew, the fourth chapter, the seventh verse, when Satan accosted him and began to throw all of these things at him, Jesus Christ would say, as it was written, and then he would proclaim a verse from God's word, his Father's word, to Satan. And Satan had no comeback against it again and again that he did that. So when we put on the truth of God's word, like a suit of clothes that we would put on, we're saying we understand God's word and how to use it in battle. John 17, verse 17, your word is truth. Your word is truth. This is a clear call to a serious study of God's word, which most of us don't do. We listen to somebody else do it. We do not do it for ourselves. Let me just tell you how God intends this to be done. When we systemize, put it into a system, the gospel, we call it doctrine. We call it doctrine. Doctrine is the truth of God organized and categorized so we can think clearly in the heat of battle as to what we need to say to the enemy so that we will not be defeated in battle. Satan attacks us in so many areas and we're to be armed with the truth for whatever area he might come at us with. That's what he's telling us. He attacks the body of truth anywhere in any way he can. But when we have the body of truth as knowledge in our life, we can stand against him. Surely, the biblical ignorance of Christian is more glaring now than it's ever been. We seem to know so little about the Word. It's possible that you can go through all your Christian life and know just enough Christianese to fool everybody. You can just say the things that people want to hear. They'll think that you know some things about this or that, but you've never made them your own. You just throw them around in conversation. And if we're going to put on the belt of truth and to stand against the enemy, then we've got to arm ourselves with this belt of truth. We've got to know it. Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That's what Paul prayed for all the churches that he ministered to. I want you to know, he said, the knowledge of God's word so that you can protect yourself, he's saying. You just need to know, and I need to know, when we're discouraged, when we feel defeated, when things are uncertain in our life, when we're confused, you need to understand that's coming from Satan. And only by the armor of truth, the belt of truth, can we have victory over it. We need to gird up our waist with truth. Gird our minds with truth. We need to do that. But the exciting thing about God's truth, especially in an uncertain and changing world, 
is that God's Word never changes. It's the same always, and it will always be that. That's an encouragement to the warrior. A friend went to see his old friend. His old friend was a music teacher. And as we do a lot of times with our friends, we may say to them, what's new today? So he said to the old music professor, what's new today? And the music professor didn't say a word. He walked over to the piano and he picked up a tuning fork and he said, that's an A. It was an A 5,000 years ago. It'll be an A 10,000 years from today. He went on to say, the soprano upstairs cannot hit the high notes at all. The tenor across the hall flats all of his high notes. The piano downstairs is out of tune, but that, my friend, is an A, and it will always be an A. Let me tell you something, people. That's the good news. Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday and as he will be into eternity. He's the same 10,000 years ago. He's the same in the future 10,000 years because he never changes. That's the good news. And once we lock on to the truth, it's not going to be changing. It's going to be what we need for the battle right then and right there. Boy, I can identify with that. We need that in a time like this. Oh, we need it so much. I must know the truth. But there's a second truth. And I want you to get this as we close this out. The second application for this piece of armor called the belt of truth. God is not only, the, God is not only talking to us about the truth of who he is in his word, but secondly, in order to do battle with the enemy, write this down, we need the truth in us. Now it's going to get personal. We need the truth in us. Paul's talking about the living truth in these passages that he is writing and that we're looking at. I believe that truth ought to characterize every one of God's children. True truth. Objective truth is what? I know about God. But objective truth is what I know about me. What I know about the truth in my life. How do you compare with truth? How do I compare with the truth? We might read verse 14 like this. Listen to it. Wherefore take unto you the belt of truthfulness, how much truthfulness do we work in and operate in? How much? Nothing demoralizes a child of God any more than to be in the middle of a spiritual battle, Satan coming at you with all of his arsenal, and to know that there's a problem with my character and my integrity while I'm fighting, while I'm fighting in this battle. Nothing demoralizes you more than that. Nothing whatsoever. Outwardly, the warrior looks okay. You can't tell the difference. He's dressed like everybody else. But inwardly, he knows he's harboring sin that's unconfessed and that he has never 
given that to God. He has been unfaithful to God. And what he appears to be is not what he really is. Oh my goodness, how many of us live like that? Paul is saying when you go to war with the enemy, you need integrity and honesty with sincerity. That's the kind of character we're to have. John 3 verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You hear what he didn't say? He didn't say, I have no more joy than to hear that they know the truth or that they understand the truth. He said that they're walking in the truth. That's what we're talking about, walking in the truth. Such a walk is demanding. It's as demanding as it can be. It is a severe departure from sin, immediately dealing with it in my life. The belt of truth, no compromise, no excuse, no condoning sin in my life. I say right then, God, I don't want this in my life. Forgive me for this. That means a lot of things. That means no uncontrolled temper. I won't condone that. It means that I will not uh, have lying and lusting as a part of my life. It means that I will not be irritable, I'll not be lazy, I'll not be gossiping, I'll not be, disappoint, dis, be disappointing to those around me, or I will not say it, this is just the way I am. I'll not say that either. What God's telling us. Oh, let me tell you what happens in the battle with Satan. There can be no pretenders. No pretenders whatsoever. God is the and his truth will encompass us and make every part of us true, beginning on the inside with our inward uh, with our inward uh, character, and finally closing out with the outward conduct as to who we are. But let me tell you the problem. The problem is that most of us in this building, including myself, are second-generation Christians. Do you know what that means? That means that you and I grew up watching people play the game. And we learned to play the game. And we learned to play the game so good that now we can't tell the real thing from the fake. I can make you think anything I want to by just using a few words. And all of a sudden now, I have no power of my own when I get in the battle with the enemy because I have learned to play the game. What if by some electronic exposure, your life and my life would all of a sudden begin to come up on these screens behind me? Oh, horror such a thing could happen. We've got so good at this game that now we cannot tell reality from the game. We think it's all the same. We've done it so long that we think strut is stuff. And that's exactly who we are. 
because we're second generations. All of a sudden I say, I don't know that. I'm not living that, and I find myself in hand-to-hand combat with the enemy. That's what's going on. You better get it on. You'll be setting in the fire or sitting by the fire with your army, and all of a sudden there's going to be incoming mortar, and you're going to be struck, and you're going to not have any idea what happened here because you left off a piece of armor. And if you do not start with a foundational piece of armor, which is, which is the truth of God, you're not going to have any way to stand whatsoever. That's what I'm telling you. I'll give you some life application and a close. The reality of the Christian life is the greatest asset any believer can ever have. And the most demoralizing thing is to realize that you're not true on the inside. That it's not really who you are. Jesus illustrated this with his life. You will remember in John 8, 46, when they accused him, he said to them, which one of you convicts me of sin? He was everything he said he was, and nobody could find anything different in his life whatsoever. Girded with the belt of truth. There's nothing like a guilty conscience that will destroy you when you're trying to do battle against the enemy. Nothing like that. Some years ago, in Florida, there was one, a dredging machine, a pumping and dredging machine that was down in the ditches, all those swampy ditches in the Miami area, and was pumping out water. And in the process of doing that, they damaged the water line and a great part of Miami was without water. And in the first hour after the water was cut off, 50 people showed up at the water company to pay a delinquent bill. That's funny, isn't it? But let me tell you the truth in all of this is, It's surprising what a guilty conscience will do. You can't fight with a guilty conscience. You can't have peace with a guilty conscience. The Lord instructs us to have a clear conscience. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves and see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself is what he says to see if you're in the faith. I realize that most of this is for believers. But I also know that Satan deals with unbelievers. He works hard to keep them where they are. And this morning, if you've walked into this building and you know that something's missing in your life, you do not have that belt of truth, you do not know Christ and his word, You've never received him as you would put on clothing to wrap your body around. And this morning he's speaking to you. 
that you need to say, Lord, I have never received you as my Savior. I've never invited you to take up residence in me. I've been running the show, and my life shows it. I've been calling my decisions myself, and I've never consulted you. And God has brought you to this place this morning to confront you again. Let me ask you, would you be willing this morning just to say, yes, Lord? Would you be willing, if you do not understand, to give us the opportunity to share with you how you can receive Christ as Lord and Savior? Would you be willing to do that? In a minute, we're going to have an invitation. But I would ask you, would you be faithful inside your life to stand before Christ and say, I am a sinner. I admit it. I'm not going to hide it any longer. And I ask you to forgive me, God. And I want to turn from that lifestyle. And by faith, I turn to receive you as the Lord of my life. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Would you be willing to do that? Just as soon as we begin to sing? Would you just pop up from where you are and you come right down here and you share that with me? Would you be willing to do that? Some of you who are God's children are losing the battle and you know where you're losing it. Would you be willing to say, God, I've not put on the belt of truth. I've not girded myself with your truth. I don't know the truth. And Satan comes at me with so many lies, I get drug off in another direction. Would you be willing to say, God, I ask you to forgive me. And right now, I want to put on the belt of truth. Would you be willing to do that? As we pray, would you just allow God to speak to you this morning? Father, this morning, I pray that your word...